My name's Emily Martin, and I'm taking you behind the scenes to talk to equine artists from around the world. This is Artist Unlocked. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is season one, episode four of Artists Unlocked. This week's episode features Anna Helt of Dreamflight Design Studios. Anna is a prolific tack maker. She is amazing. If you guys haven't seen her work, she specializes in miniature tack as well, which is even more insane to me. I mean, how tiny can it get? If you guys are listening to this instead of watching the actual episode on my YouTube channel, definitely go check out her work. I will have her Instagram and website listed in the description below. Her work is amazing and definitely deserves to be seen. Just a quick disclaimer about this week's episode. We did have some issues during the interview with the internet connection and so about six minutes through, the angle is gonna change from like the normal straight on Zoom interview angle to Anna's iPhone. She actually had to film herself so that we could have a clean take of audio. So there might be some points where things are kind of stuttery, but overall I think it's definitely watchable. So um, don't let that deter you from watching the episode. It just might look a little weird at uh, six minutes in. <laughs> And thank you so much again, Anna, for dealing with all of the technical issues that we had and persevering through and making a great interview. I really enjoyed having you on and I'm excited for you guys to learn more about her. Whether you're listening or watching this episode, if you guys are interested in checking out the show, I will have all of the things in the description about where you can find the show. If you're listening, you can watch it on YouTube. If you're watching, you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I know some people don't like to watch things if they're listening to this while um, they customize and things like that. So yeah, I like to give you guys options. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. So for the few that don't already know you, go ahead and just introduce yourself, who you are, your studio name, things like that. I'm Anna Helt. Uh, I used to be Anna Kirby before I got married. A lot of people still know me by that name. Um, things move slowly in the hobby sometimes. My studio name has been the same the whole time. It's Dreamflight Design. Um, I work with uh, Stablemate Scale Tech. I only do minis and there aren't very many of us out there, but it's, it's a fun little area of the hobby to be in, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's amazing that you can even do that. I think I would like lose my eyesight if I tried to do mini tag. So I applaud you for even doing that. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your journey into the hobby. What got you into it to begin with? And then how did that transition into the tack making? So I have always loved horses. Both of my grandpas were the cowboy type. I never had a horse growing up. They never had horses when I was a kid. But um, my mom's grandpa, dad, especially like all the horse gifts, Briar models, green champions, everything. It was great. He gave me my first pair of cowgirl boots. So I've always had like an inundation of horse things. And just as I got older, um, it switched from, you know, green champions and no name toys to briars and from play to collecting. So when I got my first briar around 12, they had the really cool catalogs in the back of the box and all the amazing tack that I just could not afford at 12. And so I used felt and embroidery thread and made my own. And then when I was 15, I discovered, so this would be about 2005, I found the hobby online and it just kind of exploded from there. Um, I saw like Jennifer Buxton's blog, all of the amazing tack that people were making. I thought, I want to do that. And I tried. And it took a while, but I did learn how, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I remember 
Um, I think one of the first things I read regarding the hobby was with Jennifer's blog. Mm -hmm. Blog was so monumental, I think, for the hobby shifting online even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, what's your journey been like through customizing? So you said you started with felt. Um, how did it progress from there? So it was kind of a gradual transition. We went from felt and embroidery thread, and then I realized that I could probably be using better materials here. And so I started cutting up old wallets that I found at thrift stores. Um, I found a suede jacket, and that was kind of a game changer um, for you know 16-year-old me. But it was just kind of a gradual uh, improvement of materials as my skills improved too. Was there anything that drew you to minis in particular versus the bigger scale? Have you always been into minis or was that something that you decided to specialize in later? I've always been fascinated by miniatures in general. Dollhouses, um, little tiny things, just stuff like that. And then of course, stable mates better fit my you know, 15 or 16 year old budget. And so that's what most of my collection was. And it just felt like a natural extension of that. It was, the models were cheaper and use fewer materials, which was another big thing. When you're cutting up wallets, there's just not a lot of leather to make a traditional scale saddle out of. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Do you have, this is kind of a slight pivot here, but this could be artistry related or not. Do you have a favorite or least favorite part of the hobby overall? One of the things I love about the hobby is how freely information is shared. I'm sure a lot of part of it is that a lot of the hobby interactions online now, but there aren't that many trade secrets in our hobby and it's really fun. You got artists who paint and sculpt who are freely sharing their techniques. Um, tack makers too, like Jennifer Buxton's blog is another one. She has so many amazing tack tips that work at all scales. It's great. And that's, that's one of my absolute favorite parts of the hobby. Everybody is willing to help the new people learn. Yeah. For sure. And that's something that I, a lot of the people I've interviewed have talked about is that we're, for the most part, obviously, we're all very welcoming. And I think there's been a shift in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so towards less like secretiveness around how we do things. Mm -hmm. And it's really great because it's great for the people coming into things, wanting to learn how the heck people do it. And it kind of saves them that really painful first part where you yeah. just don't even know what to use, let alone how to do it, so. Mm -hmm. for sure. And it can be kind of an expensive hobby. Um, that's one of the reasons I started making my own tack, and that was just the briar stuff, not the, the nicer custom. And so it's really great to not to, to not have that entry barrier, I guess. There's a, there's a little bit of an entry barrier, but you can see all these artists, and most of their stores are, I couldn't afford it, so I learned to do it. And that helps, I think, the new people a little bit too. For sure. Overall, like throughout your journey so far with the hobby, do you have any favorite memories that have happened to you over the years? I was featured in the Just About Horses as um, their artist spotlight a few years ago. That was really fun. And I did um, I did the tap on the cover of the 2019 Just About Horses. That was also kind of fun. Um, it's 14 year old me would have been completely blown away. I guess other favorite moments, every time a client comes in and says, hey, um, you made this thing for me and here's how I did it a show and I really love it. That's also another highlight. Yeah, that's so rewarding as an artist to see other people get joy out of what you create. So tell us about your studio workspace. What is that like for you? So I am lucky enough to have an entire room to myself, which is amazing because we have a toddler and he is into everything. Um, 
I've you know done everything from working on a little tray on the floor to on the kitchen table. So having a studio room is really nice. Um, I've got a nice L-shaped desk in here. You can see my lovely pegboard um, with all my pliers on it. Um, That's amazing. You definitely have an awesome setup. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> so. Um, do you primarily work with leather now or are there other like little nuanced materials that you use for your tack? There's still a lot of leather, um, but the more experienced I get with some of the things like the Western tack and the English tack, I also have some really fun projects like Arabian costumes. Um, I have a Spanish writing school that is on our set on deck right now. I haven't started it yet, but I'm excited. And so I have had to branch out into things like um, embroidery. I now know some really nifty embroidery stitches. Um, lots of braiding, lots of thread, a little bit with fabric, and I also have dabbled in sculpting so that I can do my own saddle trees, which means that I've also learned to make molds and to cast. So all kinds of fun things. What is the molding process for your saddle trees like? It's just a two-part mold. I learned from, I think it was Maggie Bennett Jenner, uh, had a really awesome visual walkthrough of doing a two-part mold for her Caladin resin. And so I just looked at that and applied that to making a two-part mold for my saddle trees. Do you have any, what are your like favorite tools to use? I love my pliers. I traded for them, I don't know, six or seven years ago. They're Swanstrom. They're expensive new, but they make a big difference. Um, the pliers, and then I have a pair of spring-loaded, really, really super sharp fine tip scissors. Do you ever find that like, since you started with minis and now um, maybe the, when you know, when you first start, funds are a huge thing. And now maybe that's still, obviously I think for everyone, it's like an issue, but maybe it's less of an issue. Do you ever find yourself curious about the bigger scaled tack or do you just really love the miniatures that you're sticking with? I really like working this tiny. Um, to be perfectly honest, some of it's competition. There are lots of people that make really, really nice traditional scale tack, and there just aren't very many people who are willing to go as tiny as stable means. So there's, there's some of that in there, but I also just really enjoy seeing how intricately I can make something so small. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> do you feel like, do you have like a magnifying glass that you use? I have tried them and I don't like them. Oh wow. Yeah. There's always like this weird depth of field thing and sometimes um, the it's distorted. And I'm sure that if I sat here and made myself do it, it would be better. But I just don't have the patience for that right now. Maybe as my eyesight gets worse as I get older, I'll switch, but not yet. What would your tips be for people that are looking to both start tack making in general and then maybe people that are interested in doing what you're doing with the minis? So advice for people who want to start making miniature tack would be to just start, try it. Um, start with a ribbon halter or a, a Rio Rondo kit. The Rio Rondo kits are awesome. Um, and then learn all you can about the different kinds of tack. If you can get your hands on the real thing, that can be incredibly helpful for just learning how things fit together. Um, I, I feel like some of the really simple, um, I don't want to call them mistakes even, but some of the really simple things you see that aren't quite right are like um, how the jockeys and the top of a saddle fits together because it's not something you see in a tack catalog ad. So see if you can look at a saddle in real life or my second favorite resource is used tack ads or classifieds online because they give you 
pictures of everything to show condition and wear. And so you get a really good visual of how that particular saddle is put together. Um, and then my other um, big suggestion would be to find out why certain things are made certain ways. Um, what, where you would use such and such a bit or why a dressage saddle is shaped differently than a jumping saddle or the differences in a reining saddle for western and a pleasure saddle because those nuances can really make a difference in the finished product. For sure. I think knowing how something works and why it works mm -hmm. is, is huge for all types of art. I know that's something that like a lot of artists dive into when it comes to sculpting too is like if you know how horses move it really informs the way that you you sculpt so. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Do you have any specific tips for working as small as you do? Um, I think the biggest one is that even though you're working really small, you still assemble and construct things in about the same way. Uh, I learned how to do a raised noseband from Jennifer Buxton's blog, and I do it exactly the same way she does, just smaller. What is one thing you'd like to see more of in the hobby? I thought about this one for a little bit, and I think... Um, that my biggest thing would be more of a focus on excellence for its own sake and not as it relates to the showroom or competition. Um, I feel like a lot of people get bogged down in, but I'm not as good as so-and-so, or the judge doesn't like this, the judge doesn't like that. That doesn't have to matter. Um, there's not a lot of competition, uh, not a lot to compare myself to in many tacks sometimes. And so I try to just kind of ignore it and pay attention to what I'm doing and try and make everything that I am doing better than the last one I did. Another thing I'd like to see more of is creating at the amateur level. Um, Jennifer Buxton's Namo Pema was part of that and um, the International Model Tack Month that runs in April is trying to do that too. We're trying to get a bunch of people just to make something, anything tack related in April. It doesn't matter if it's a halter or a super fancy costume. And just to kind of dip their toes in and see that you can do, you can really have fun doing it. It doesn't have to be all about competition. Yeah, that's so true. I think we've seen a shift in more of community events that aren't necessarily competition-based. I think it's mm -hmm. so healthy for the hobby because while, you know, it's fine to show and be competitive, there also is a place to just, you know, have fun and experiment. And in I find at least personally, when there's not that pressure there, it's like so much easier to create that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Creating as its own reward is really important and something that I think society as a whole kind of loses track of. Yes, so true. Everyone's trying to make a buck nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can, go for it, but you don't have to. Um, so overall, what does the hobby mean to you? That's a really big question and it could go a lot of different ways. I think for me, um, a lot of the hobby is friendship. I have met one of my best friends through the hobby. We chat every day. She's come and visited me. It's awesome. Um, I love the friendships that develop here that I wouldn't have encountered otherwise. She lives states away from me. We never would have met otherwise. Uh, and on some level, the hobby is also sanity. Being a mom is hard. And it's really nice to have this part of myself that hasn't changed. Yeah. Do you find um, that it's hard to juggle, harder at least to juggle that now that you are a mom? It can be. Uh, before uh, my son was born, I was doing, at least trying to do tap full time. My husband's job let me, like, we don't need my income. So it was really nice to be able to explore and see how far I could push this. And then that kind of went away after he was born. 
But now that he's older, he's two and a half, I have been able to dive back in again. And it can be a, it can be a balancing act, but um, I really enjoy the time that I get to spend in my studio while he naps. That's, that's what's going on right now. He's taking a nap in the other room. Um, and it's nice to have the peace and quiet. So yeah, it's harder in some ways, but it's gotten better and I think it'll keep getting better. Yeah, that's awesome. What are your future goals? And these could be short-term or long-term. So short-term is just keeping on keeping on. I feel like um, in this past year, I've built up a good head of steam and I'm in a rhythm and I'm enjoying it. Uh, it does mean there's not very much room for longer-term goals right now. But I'm hoping that as kiddo gets a little bit older, those will be easier to do. Um, I wrote a How to Make an English Saddle Guide with a pattern in, uh, for stable mates. And I've been promising a Western one for like five years now. <laughs> so long, long term, I would like to get that done. Um, that's that's a big effort, though. So that's that's a ways out. Um, I like to do that. I'd like to work on more saddle trees. I have a couple that are just waiting to be molded. And that's also a little bit of a time commitment that I don't have right now. Um, and then just further excellence. I really, there are always little things that I'm looking at my work and going, that's not quite right. This could be better. Uh, and so I'd really like to hit hit some more of those things, those moments where things just kind of click. Yeah, I admire that about you, that, you know, perseverance to keep pushing. <laughs> so I like to turn this last little bit over to you. Go ahead and plug your work. Where can people find you? What can people expect from you? That sort of thing. So right now you can find a gallery of past work at dreamflightdesign.com. Um, I made my business name when I was 16, and I'm stuck with it now, but it's spelled, um, flight is spelled F-L-I-T-E, not the traditional spelling. Um, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> it's too late to change it. Um, it does make searching for me kind of hard sometimes, but I'm out there. Um, so you can find me at my website. There's a gallery of past work, and my books are closed right now, but I'm hoping to open up for another batch of commissions in late July. So that's coming. If you want to follow that, um, have information on when that's coming, you can follow my newsletter. You can sign up for the email newsletter at the website, or you can follow me on Facebook at Dreamflight Design and on Instagram. I am on Instagram in two places. Um, there's the Dreamflight Design, which is kind of like it's a landing page, a gallery, or you can find me at Toughspot90, T-U-F-F-S-P-O-T-9-0, and that's like a hobby rambling and... Um, my collection and in progress pictures and stuff. So that's where you can track me down. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for your yeah. time. I think you're the, as of now, at least you're the first TAC maker I've gotten to interview. So it's been really hey. cool. I'm very happy to help you out. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, that was the episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. Definitely go ahead and check out all of Anna's links. I will have her Instagrams, her Facebook, her website all linked in the description below so you guys can check her out. Definitely sign up for her newsletter if you wanna be a part of being notified when she opens her commission books in late July. If you guys are interested in checking out a more behind the scenes look for the show, go ahead and follow my Instagram. It's Frost Studios Equine Art. I tend to post two to three times weekly on there and you'll get to know more about the show and the behind the scenes and it's just overall a good time. Go ahead and leave a comment below letting me know what was your favorite part of the episode. What are you guys enjoying most about this series so far? I'm really curious to know your thoughts. And no matter how you're viewing this episode, whether it's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, go ahead and 
follow, subscribe, like, whatever um, it is on those platforms. Any and all support for the show is greatly appreciated. I have been really loving you guys DMing me on Instagram or sending me pictures of you guys watching the show. That kind of stuff is so amazing and crazy to me to see. Stay tuned for next week's episode featuring Heather Bullock of Equine Confection Studio. Heather has some cool Briarfest themed things in this episode that I think you guys are gonna love since Briarfest is right around the corner. Thanks so much for watching and I'll see you guys next week. Bye!